The presenting sponsor for On Education is Classcraft. We're excited to announce Classcraft's new story mode, which makes it easy for educators to harness the power of stories. Episodes 1 and 2 of Season 1 are ready for you and your students to play today, and it's completely free. To learn more about Classcraft and the new story mode, simply visit classcraft.com slash oneducation. Can I call you Professor Irvin? <laughs> are are you going to make them call you Professor Irvin? Welcome to On Education, part of the Education Podcast Network. I'm Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will discuss whether school districts should hire public relation firms, give you some tips for increasing student voice in your class. We will let you know why we should stop calling it a teacher shortage. And our guest this week is educator and podcast host, Brad Schreffler. So... Can I call you Professor Irvin? Are, are you going to make them call you Professor Irvin when you start uh, teaching on Wednesday? I think I'm just going to tell them to call me Glenn, <laughs> which is really weird. Actually, even now in my position, I, I guess I've never actually talked about this on the podcast, but I think it's really strange now to be called Glenn. Uh, all of my career, sure. I got called Senor or just Irvin because I was a coach so everybody just mm. said like all my athletes I would just call me Irvin or coach or whatever mm. um, so Glenn was a name that you know my wife called me and my parents <laughs> used or my friends I suppose uh, mm -hmm. too so it's interesting so yeah I guess I'm just gonna tell him to call me Glenn Professor Irvin though as a is does sound pretty like, awesome no, 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 no. I no, really no, no, like no. that <laughs> I'm Professor Irvin Thank you very much. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, correct them. Uh, don't call down. me Glenn. It's right. Professor Irvin. <laughs> yes. Uh, kind of full of myself for a one and a half credit hour class that I'm teaching. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, though. yeah. I'm super happy, would... though. It's going to be exciting. It's a it's a class for teachers, uh, or sorry, students that are going to become teachers, so pre-service mm -hmm. teachers, mm -hmm. and it's about technology and using it in your classrooms, and I'm super happy about to talk with them and can make connections with them and kind of give them an idea about all of the potential, but also tell them that, you know, there's that technology isn't always the answer. And we've talked about that before on the show, sure. you know, it's, it's, and, and so I want to make sure that they understand that too, that, that some things are better left to just uh, traditional types of assignments rather than uh, trying to push some kind of technology just for technology's sake. So shoehorning it into something. Yeah, exactly. So I'm super excited about being able to do that, the opportunity. And it's for this semester, like I said, it's only a, a credit and a half. But <laughs> hey, they have a three hour audience. So it's a, like a three hour class. So uh, it's every other week. So I, I'm super excited. And and uh, I'll let you know how it goes. <laughs> I mean, it's a, it's a neat opportunity, right? Absolutely. So, I mean, uh, it's it's progression it's the next step it seems obvious to me so uh i'm i'm excited for you i'm excited for those students hey. who get professor who get professor Irvin <laughs> in their in their class and uh you know there's there's nothing bad about this it's all it's all good other than i guess you know just more work but you yeah. know fun work but rewarding fun. work yes exactly for sure. Um, keeping on, I guess, with some, some cool stuff coming out of your, your neck of the woods there. Um, you posted actually on Twitter the other day 
um, a video that was done by your school district. It was. Um, that is fantastic. Tell tell us about it a little, I guess. So there's a video, and actually there's two of them. Uh, I posted the second of a series of videos that our district has hired a PR firm to right. uh, put out. And they're just very compelling and really tell a great story about all of the the things that are happening at our district in a very short period of time. Because we know, even as podcasters or whoever might be there, if you're out there, you know that people's attention spans nowadays are very short. So Mm -hmm. you need to get your message out quickly, compelling. It needs to be clear as far as what you're doing. And then that's what these messages do. And that's what these PR companies have. They do a great job of. I think this video might be a minute and 30 seconds. And there's so much packed into that video that you leave you leave from watching the video with a good feeling inside and it already has 1500 views for a district our size which we're we're uh, you know uh pretty good size i mean 400 students per class around there uh but it's that humongous so to already have 1500 views and it's our parents basically that are viewing this it's a great thing for the school district so so my my question out there was should we be hiring these public relation companies at all of our districts. And uh, I was having a conversation with a colleague and really just emphasizing the point that we have to sell ourselves to the public. They have to know what our message is, what are we doing at the school. Uh, and then sometimes it involves these types of things, these types of endeavors right. where you hire professionals to do it the right way so that the message is clear and it gets mm-hmm. out because, especially as we've talked on this show before, in the United States, we have to, a lot of the times, go to our local district and ask them for money. And it all relates to a vote, a vote up or a vote down. And sure. uh, this school, this specific school district has, in the past two years, been uh, levies have been rejected. Um, and so on the, on the votes have been voted down. And these were needed to be able to go ahead and uh, purchase uh, a new building, for example, or facilities or whatever it might be. Um, So I think it's just a really smart move by an administrator, in this case, our superintendent. But I know that other school districts are doing the exact same thing, and I applaud them for that because you need to get your – you need to get – who your parents, your uh, mm-hmm. all of your uh, school board members, and everybody else behind you, and and, yeah. and the voting public behind the school and its message, and then and and then in order to be able to pass those votes, but also to support the school in a, in a variety of ways. Uh, so I think it's a great thing. Uh, we'll make sure we link that video because I think it's a great way to do business as far as even in public schools. I I think you've nailed the first point that I would make on the head and that's that in a in a world where like schools and school districts are in the news almost always only when it's bad. Exactly. And so when you know and so so that brings me to to something I'm thinking about I've been thinking about this a ton since we we met him and talked to him. Um Joe Sanfilippo, you know, his keynote, you know, is all about defining your narrative yes. as a teacher, as a district, as a school define the narrative or other people will do it for you. It's exactly what he says. Yes. And so it's like, do you want the story of your school district told by other people and it not be told the way that you want it to be told or not be told 
um, about all the successes and all the great things you're doing, but only bring up the story of your district when it's something that isn't so great that's happening. This is your opportunity to hone your own narrative, to tell your story the way that you feel is fair and right and inspiring to the community that it serves. Yes. Um, I I loved the video. I think it's it's super well done. I think that that makes a huge difference as someone that spends a lot of time both in my day job and, to be honest, on this podcast thinking about the aesthetics, about the the appearance of things, about you know how it comes across from a production quality point of view. I think that this was a well-made video that was worth the time and the effort because it's and it's something that you're going to use for years, hopefully. Hopefully you don't do this every year. Then we might get into an interesting conversation depending on how much money is being spent. But I tell you, again, defining the narrative of the district, telling your story, telling it professionally, um, I, I'll, I'll, I'll let that happen all day. I mean, we get PR emails. Um about school districts all the time, to be honest. Yes. Um, you know, and it's usually related to so-and-so company just did like this big thing. Let's tell you, can we tell you that story? So, and they get kind of brought into a narrative that the company that did something with them wants to hone. Yes. But, um, but we do get, you know, districts that, that are doing PR. Um, and to be honest, the last thing I, I, I think is super interesting is that, in the United States, people teachers are way more mobile than they are in Canada, for example. So while you may not see videos like this in Canada so much, you'll you'll see videos like this for the teachers unions. Oh, that's sure. A political, like yes. that's a political type thing. But you wouldn't see the Toronto District School Board doing a commercial for how great they are necessarily. Um, but when you're when you're when teachers have the mobility that they have in the United States to, you know, you have teachers that are switching jobs, yep, switching districts, you know, and, going this, and, yep. and it not being a big deal necessarily. I mean, this is also a way to attract teachers, good teachers, absolutely to to your district. You say, look at the amazing. Like, I guarantee you that if they do a recruitment video for someone. Like when they're looking for, like, oh, yeah. especially like an upper admin type person, that video is going to be in the recruitment package. Of course it is. Yes. Oh, absolutely. So, and it's, it's a, like, I, I mean, it's what a great way to put out there exactly hard hitting, exactly what you're doing at your school. You know, it's not, it's, it's about all of these things, all of these things that we want our students to be uh, able to do in their schools and we show them all of the stuff and then we show them the students, show them the, the teachers and then key words that are part of the entire message, which, I mean, it, it, it just brings it home. And I think that's, it'll make a big difference when people go to the polling booths and they go, are we going to support this district or are we going to vote it down, vote this down? And, and I think a lot of people after watching that will be like, I'm behind the message here and the school and sure. the direction that they're actually headed, which I think again is a great, uh, it, it's a great move uh, by administrators wherever you might be. 
let's let's stay on the positivity train. Yeah, we like we like this train. Like it's fun. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's nice sometimes to be positive. I guess. No, it is. It totally is, folks. I, I was being uh, sarcastic there. Um, the this this awesome story of a thirteen year old creating a a basically like a closet, a pantry of of clothes for folks uh kids in his school that don't have clothes to wear like i mean i'll tell you this is a hell of a story this makes me feel so happy it's it's such a great story to read yeah it's it's a kid chase neeland square in uh louisiana and what i found just super compelling about it is that he was like he noticed that at eighth grade graduation there was kids who didn't have a nice outfit to wear. This kind of what started his idea. Plus, the teachers giving the kids the the ability to be able to make their ideas come to fruition. You know, the time mm-hmm. and opportunity. You know, you have an idea, and then we put everything else aside. Go, hey, let's move with that idea and let's see what we can do with this and really give the kids the opportunity time uh, and funds and whatever else it might need to be able to go in and actually make this happen. And this uh, student basically it is started, started something that will continue now as a tradition, as far as in the school, whether it be giving uh, clothes that are uh, more, uh, a, a better type of outfit that you might wear for a graduation or something more sure, formal yeah. or s- school supplies or whatever it actually might be just saying, Hey, I'm here to go ahead and help uh, my fellow students here uh, with whatever I can go ahead and do as far as being able to contribute things and then be able to collect and then, and, and run this kind of pantry, which is just amazing. What an amazing story. I, I mean, Talk about like proud parents. I'd be, you know, through the roof with this. And this is a, this is a great, like you said, a great legacy uh, for this, this kid and, and taking, you know, he'll go off to high school, but hopefully this keeps going and um, it's teaching kids empathy and community service and all of the great things that we need to instill in our, in our students. And that's pretty awesome. Absolutely. Um, Speaking of awesome, I, I mean, have you seen how many views this video video got on Twitter? So this video by Stacy Lamb, we'll we'll link um, the Twitter post in the show notes, but it's got one point seven million views. Million. I, I, I think it, I think it went on, but <laughs> I think Buzzfeed it got it got Buzzfeeded. Um, one point seven kind of, million. It's <laughs> amazing. It's it's basically a video of her classroom, which um, is pretty stunning to be honest um with uh decorated like like a hogwarts classroom with a lot of like hair tons of like just harry potter type things um very thematic you know um a whole wall that's wallpapered like a like a bookshelf uh which is pretty sweet um pretty awesome stuff i mean i would love I would love to be in this classroom. I, I think it's pretty rad. And the, um, the most compelling part about that, Mike, is if you look around as she does that walkthrough uh, in her classroom, it's yeah. all just really crafty, creative ways of using, you know, items that you you might already have uh, be able to get a hold of some curtains and some different types of tables and seating. And like you said, some different types of wallpaper uh, to create a certain aesthetic and then just the sh- the lighting and it's and the setup of the room 
make it feel like you're in Hogwarts, you know, make definitely have that, that ambiance, you know, that she's, she's definitely going for, uh, which I absolutely love. And I, I yeah. like, I like that. It, it definitely seems like a lot of this stuff. Now I haven't read through the threads and all that. Like there's 20,000 replies on this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to look through all of that stuff, but it feels like all of this stuff could easily be stuff that you got donated yes. from family members and parents. It's not the stuff that you're getting from like the cool ed education magazine. It's totally you know, crafty. It, yes. That are like Ikea style bookshelves and stuff like that. It's, it's old school tables and desks and chairs, yes. which is exactly the style that you would want. Uh, for this mm -hmm. and i love like you said the the soft lighting um is fantastic it, it makes it feel super comfortable in there i i think it's great and i think that you know i would love to know how much she spent because we've talked about the money side yes. of these flexible seating and the flexible classrooms and the pressure that some teachers can feel to have to like, you know, oh my God, look at Stacy's classroom. How am I possibly ever going to do something like that? But um, I, I think that we shouldn't frame this in that way at all. Not, I think we all. should take a look at this and go, wow. I mean, she really put some passion in into this and she used resources that she could get a hold of, it seems like, to, to really nail this, like completely nail this, right? I, I think it's more like... Uh... What is that called? Sweat equity. You know what I mean? When people say sure. that, that's what this yep. totally is. Is and and also some, just some really interesting craftiness, and then also being super passionate about that theme because you can just see some some little details throughout the entire room where you're like, oh, that was that's so smart about how you put this here, and then you can tell if you're if you're a Harry Potter fan uh, about why this why this works i did see i had to read the comments i should never read comments but i read some comments that were uh negative ones uh, about yes. this the entire thing yeah and really too. in the end though it all of the the people you know their negativity as far as uh, this thing this uh lady has put her heart and soul into a, a room and I guarantee you, and that's why I really want to talk to her. She's putting her heart and soul, like many of us do, into her students too. And she really cares about them. And even if you didn't know the story of the Harry Potter series, which someone mm -hmm. brought that up or whatever it might be, you would get a certain feeling by the end of the year, like this is a different place. And that's actually Special. the things that the students remember the most is like, and I, that's what's uh, in my feedback forms to when my students would give me feedback, they're like, I'll remember this class because of and it was always things that were just different that you did you did different things and you were you were compelling and you and you yeah. could show that you were passionate and you loved the class and you loved them and they'll take that away from from what you're thinking so they're going to remember those moments and those things and that's what she's trying to do give them an experience that they will remember her her students yeah will never forget that class no a hundred percent so, I, I mean, I, I think I'd love the chat to weigh in on on their feelings about this class for sure. Um, so we'll we'll maybe talk about that in the in the chat this for week. sure. Because um, I think it's interesting. I think that even to be honest, though, the one main argument that I did see, I even disagreed with it. Like even like from a pedagogical perspective, I disagreed with it. So yeah. I mean, the this whole idea of it being like an over 
sensory type thing. I actually think it's the opposite. I, I found that room to be relaxing and calming um, where, you know, you could, you could do a lot worse and people say that's a normal classroom yeah. than, than soft lighting and wood chairs, like in nice, comfortable desks and couches. Like I don't, I, I actually disagreed with the Absolutely. argument. Yeah. Like, I know. <laughs> like I, I, I get like the whole argument about classrooms having over, you know, frenetic, you know, over sensor, sensory kind of places and stuff like that. I actually just legitimately don't think this classroom is that case. So, yeah. um, super interesting. Uh, we'll get the chat to weigh in on that. Maybe, um, our, our friend, Matt Joseph, Matt Joseph, Matt Joseph is an, awesome. <laughs> article that was fantastic. We're going to, put this on the show notes and we're going to have to, ha I, I bet he'll be at FETC. So we'll make sure that, Oh, he is. Yeah. I know he is. Yeah. Because he's one of the featured speakers, I believe yeah, in the, in the administration track. Exactly. So that, that we just talked about last week on the podcast. Yeah. So um, we're going to, we'll have to make sure we get Matt on again. Cause he's a, he's a good, good friend. And um, he wrote an article called tips for increasing student voice. Um, and, and it's, it's fantastic. It is like if you're just looking for ideas in your classroom for things that you can do to give students voice in their classroom, to have them be more centered in the instruction, this is this 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 article is what you want. Exactly. And then my favorite part of the article is not only the details for uh, how to give student voice, you know, like a teacher examples for their students, but yeah. to also say, "Hey, administrators, if you actually want this to happen, guess what you can do? You can actually lead by example. He has a section about, uh, for example, making toasts uh, during uh, staff meetings and saying, hey, we can recognize the accomplishments of what are happening throughout the year and really raise the level of like acknowledging that awesome things are happening. My school does an amazing job. Even before I got there, as soon as I got there, I knew something was different about the staff meetings. Part of it was mm -hmm. a celebration and people basically get acknowledging each other and saying, Hey, I just want to let you know what you did there and what you did for me. Uh, really appreciate it. You know, and if we do that kind of thing right at the beginning of staff meetings, really great for culture talks about, uh, taking a break away from staff lunches and then, uh, also playing games. Why wouldn't you, we play games too. And, and how often that actually brings you together and, and being able to do that as a staff. So just a great article, uh, here by Matt. Everyone should everyone should read this. He will be a featured speaker at FETC, so we'll we'll try to make sure we um, we have about six or seven reserved slots for folks that are going to be uh, featured at FETC, uh, including um, you know just to drop a, a nice little yeah. nugget. We're definitely going to have the keynoters on, so go look at the keynoters because it looks like it's happening. When when we come back. Um, is there a teacher shortage in America or do people just not want to do it anymore? Uh, we think it's probably a little more of the latter and we'll talk about that next. So stay with us. On Education is brought to you by Pick My Kid. Pick My Kid is an automated dismissal solution that cuts car line time in half. It engages parents with the parent app by being able to change dismissal routines right from their phone. Friends, that means no more front office calls. Pick My Kid is an affordable solution for schools and removes dismissal stress for parents, teachers, and staff. 
For more information, visit pickmykid.com. That's P-I-K-MyKid.com. On Education is also brought to you by Taylor Ed. As teachers, meeting the needs of each and every student in today's classroom is time-consuming, complicated, and just overwhelming. Taylor Ed makes differentiation in math effortless through curated resources, smart student grouping, and student insights beyond proficiency. Sign up today using the promo code ONEDUCATION and receive three months free on us. Visit taylor-ed.com for more information. All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. In addition to the multiple conversations surrounding class size at the start of the year, there are also inevitable articles and hot takes online and punditry about teacher shortages. We're seeing a lot of articles come out about that. We agree that there aren't enough teachers, for sure. But I think, Glenn, we don't agree with the premise that there's a teacher shortage, do we? No, and and these articles that we're going to link really do a great job of explaining kind of what the difference between a shortage, which is that's what this is right. saying, and really just a a uh, movement away from the teaching profession, and just basically people saying we we can't do this <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. Um, one of the articles really focuses in on the concept of uh, over-testing and how that's actually pushing people away from education and how uh, they've done an estimate, uh, economists estimate that we've spent uh, a trillion dollars on testing in the United States. Cool. Um, and that's just gross. And we yeah. know that, that's, that this is actually happening and that we are... Uh, infatuated with this and that most of the times it's a very negative thing anyway it's negative on all kinds of areas it's negative on the student level it's negative on the school or sorry teacher level and in, at the school district level uh, all uh, it just brings a, about negative perceptions even if you do well on the tests one year it does we already know that it doesn't mean that you'll do well the next year because the tests are are not good indicators of of student growth as far as kids being uh doing well from one year to the next um so really that is one of the many issues that that is basically driving teachers away from the profession and even mm-hmm. even kids that are in our schools right now are, do are they inspired to want to be an educator? And even I've heard educators talk about their right. own kids, and that's yeah. kind of a great conversation for me and you too. Is if one of our kids wants to be an educator, would we fully support that, or we would have something in the kind of in the back of our you know in mm-hmm. our minds? We both have ourselves and our spouses are educators, uh, and so we're like, should we? groom our kids and bring them along and, and put them into this profession. It's pro- and again, it's, it's different in Canada. I would say that you guys have solved a lot of problems that we have in the United States, for example, healthcare and, and, and other issues too. And it, you really, your educational system, I would say is superior in many ways. And it's superior in the way that it treats its educators and its mm. teachers uh, and the way that it, you guys pay them at a professional level. Uh, where many of our states uh, teachers are so underpaid, they're getting second or third jobs, and we've talked about that on the on the show yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. So if you know that 
in order to be a teacher, you were, let's say, for example, you're in, uh, in Mississippi or Louisiana, uh, 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 some pretty low paying states. And you know that some of your teachers have to actually get a second job or maybe a job in the summer in order to make ends meet. Are you going to encourage your kids to go ahead and go into this profession, you know, where it's hard to even just make a living. Plus it's a super tough job mm-hmm. because there's all of these other factors, not just educating. It's all of this other stuff that's compiled and pounded on you. So we want the best for our own kids, you know? And so are we going to guide them along into this profession that we love? I mean, we obviously love it. We love to talk about it. We love the profession. We want it to be better. Mm-hmm. But would we actually guide our kids and say, yeah, that's actually a really good decision, Lysander? Or would I say, you might want to think about a variety of other things. That's or funny. maybe... Maybe kind of explore some different things before you uh, say, yes, I'm going to be an educator like you and uh, mom and dad. And I, and I mean, people might get pissed off at me because of this, that I'm saying this, but it's totally, uh, it's it's real. That's what I'm saying. I, and, I, and, I, and I'm seeing basically that things haven't changed quickly enough, not in the United yeah. States. And so there are still uh, really, really bad uh, pay for many people and really bad benefits. Uh, there's yeah. still over testing that happens. Um, and there's still a variety of other issues that are happening, you know, throughout the nation. So, you know, should we, you know, tell our kids that we should be doing this? And it's like, ah, oh, it's tough. It's a tough, it's a tough conversation. A tough At minimum, it's a tough conversation. It's not just an easy, yeah, for sure you should do that. You know, <laughs> I think I, I lean back on the idea that we need good people to be good teachers mm-hmm. and I'm trying to raise good people. Yes. Um, you know, so, you know, even if it's a hard job in a less than, less than ideal environment, I think that I'm trying to raise the right kids into men that will be awesome role models for future kids kind of thing. So that's I mean, a really good message. Yeah. Yes. So I mean I'm trying we're we're both trying really hard. It's not easy. Um but one of the one of the super interesting things I saw in the I love the Forbes article because it's totally in my wheelhouse in terms of the style of writing. Yeah. Um where it's it's about the words. And I think the words are important here. Like I'm a big person on word choice and word precision. I feel like I am the type of person that says exactly what they mean using the exact right word that I mean to use in the time that I use it. And if I don't, I tend to correct myself pretty quickly. Um, And it's almost mostly because of a misinterpretation or something like that. But he's talking a lot about like using the word teacher shortage when shortage means something. And this isn't a shortage. No, it's not. It's not a shortage. It's there. There are a lot of people that are perfectly capable of being teachers. We're not short. There's no no lack of capacity for the quality of person that we're looking for to be a teacher. It's a people don't want to do it. Yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> it's 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 because smart people are making choices. And when you are making choices about what job to take in an economy where, you know, you have the choice of being, you know, a doctor or a teacher, you choose doctor, right? Unless you are super passionate about it. And, and this is like, you feel like you're, you're meant to do that. But when faced with choice and opportunity, 
you're going to take the thing that provides you, generally speaking, people are going to take the thing that provides you with the highest ceiling yes. of opportunity. This isn't a shortage. We're not lacking in bodies. We're, we're lacking in will to do it, to do the job, to be um, passionate about it. People just are losing the desire to teach en masse it's an exodus. In the other article, they actually refer to it as an exodus. Yeah, as an exodus. It's not a shortage. It is a mass exodus of educators who, when faced with choices and other opportunities, are choosing to do those other things. And that's the problem. And yeah. that has a lot to do with, you know, things like class size, we think, anyways, wages. Yes. And it has a lot to do with, it's funny, this tweet that we've come across that we'll link in the show notes because I think it's totally related mm -hmm. to the things that this tweet from, uh, there's an account fixing education at fixing education. And it, and it said, most teachers don't need more advice, forced training, extra tasks. However, they do need support, lower class sizes, fair wages in all caps, quality PD to be treated like a professional less standardized testing and more prep time. It's a great I list. I think it's I think it's an awesome tweet that really um explains the exodus that what's happening at the top is happening all of the time and what's happening at the bottom is incredibly rare. It's the things like it's the reason why Matt Joseph has to write an article about teaching about treating administrator or teaching, treating your staff, you know, with respect and having like alternative kind of methods for engaging staff in, in different activities because yes. it's not happening or it would be normal. These, these things are not happening. That bottom part support class sizes, fair wages, quality PD. We talk about that all the time, all the time. Yes. So I mean, I think they're related, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just right there, that to be treated like a professional. We talked about that ISTE two years ago, um, that teachers are professionals. To just be right. treated like other professionals, and that means all of these things. This is, other professions have all of these things. Um, fair wages, uh, I mean, that, that in itself is just a, a huge one. And the, the concept of the standardized testing, come on. Uh, we need to move past that. And we already know so much data. We already have so much data and so much information about how it just doesn't do what it's supposedly do, supposed to do and that we need to move on and do, and use the money and the funds for better things. Absolutely. So we'll, we'll link the articles in the show notes and that tweet in the show notes because it's all um, very, very interesting stuff and, uh, worth a conversation in the chat as well. So we'll, we'll make sure that gets to the chat. When we come back, we'll talk to the host of the planning period podcast and good friend of the pod, Brad Schreffler. So stay with us. On education is brought to you by fresh grade. Are you spending too much time stumbling between apps and duplicating work? Want to spend more time connecting with your students? FreshGrade Next has powerful new lesson planning tools that give you the flexibility you need to focus on engaging and inspiring your students. FreshGrade Next is designed for teachers and made for learning. Integrated, simple, and powerful. To learn more about FreshGrade Next and sign up for your free account, visit freshgrade.com. 
All right, welcome back to the podcast, everyone. Brad Treffler is a digital instruction coach and the host of the Planning Period podcast, which Glenn and I have both had the privilege to be on as guests. We've also had the pleasure of running into Brad at a lot of big education conferences, and we've been able to hang out. So he's become a friend of the pod for sure. Welcome to the podcast, Brad. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me, man. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. We're excited, We're excited to have to, you. Yeah, man. We're, we love you. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. We have, we did. Glenn and I especially had a ton of fun at ISTE this year uh, playing that card game with yes. uh, John Spike. was super fun. You know, John Spike is is just one of the funniest people I know. Uh, so if anybody ever gets to meet him, yeah, yeah, Jonathan Spike, this is a guy that you want to hang out with and play yeah. games for sure because he's got he's the game guy. He yep. pre- totally. He breaks out his backpack and it's time to play <laughs> games. Yep. Uh, so, Brad, tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background for us. Yeah, so uh, I was an educator in the classroom for about six years, teaching English in seventh and ninth grade. And as the high school I went to went into a one-to-one program, I went up to my boss one day and I said, hey, we're about to do this thing. We have 4,000 students, almost 200 teachers, and we need somebody dedicated full-time to running digital. And at the time, I wasn't really connected to ISTE. I didn't know about other people doing this. And I kind of just invented the role of a digital coach, an instructional technology coach, and said, this is what I think that person would do. And my boss was like, yeah, that, that kind of makes sense. And I said, oh, and by the way, it's going to be me. Um, <laughs> and he said, okay, cool. Uh, so I became a digital coach. And I've been doing that now for four or five years. Uh, just launched the first year at a middle school, just finished the first year doing their first year one-to-one, and I also am the host of the Planning Period podcast, as you mentioned, talking about uh, education and what are some of the problems and things we should be doing to work on them. Yeah, so expand more upon that. The Planning Period podcast, both uh, Mike and I have been on it, and I actually have told people that you are one of the best interviewers that I've ever met and the reason why I would say, and I've and I've seen like you know professional interviews or whatever it might be, but one of the things you do you do, and I heard the interview with Mike also, and you were doing the same thing with him, is you're bringing out things out of us that we didn't even know we were gonna basically say beforehand, you know, as far as the thing, and I think that's really great. That's what uh, uh, great hosts do. So tell us about the Planning Period podcast, where the idea come from, and and then anything else that you would like your audience to hear about it. Yeah, so it kind of came from a few different places. It's one of those that, you know, I just love talking about education. I love what we do. I love this field. I love this industry, whatever you want to call it. I'm passionate about it. And I found myself continually having these conversations in the break room, especially as a coach, where I had built relationships with our staff and I would have these conversations with these people and they would just say these, these amazing things. And then I'd go on Twitter and people would be tweeting out other amazing things. And I'm like, but there's all these people not tweeting. And I want to get those conversations like recorded and out there in the world. And so that's kind of where it started. And, you know, it it really started from just loving to talk about education and wanting to talk to more people about it. Um, And then what really blew it up was sort of coming up with my my format of of a perfect combination of laziness and good conversation <laughs> where as you guys have, have have said before i asked the same three questions of all my guests mm-hmm. um and it took a lot of time and effort to really develop that style and those questions of um you know my first one for every one of my guests is what is the biggest problem facing education today Yes, And then what is something you're doing you wish all educators would do? And the last one is who is the greatest teacher you ever had? 
And what I have found is you can ask anyone connected to the education field those three questions, and you will get a vastly different conversation every single time. That's true. So That's let's true. so let's talk about this questioning style of yours because I I find it absolutely fascinating. And as someone that listens to lots of podcasts and um, you know thinks about the the art of delivering a podcast, for lack of better words, um, I I love thinking about how people are going about their business in this. And so you, you ask the same three questions. I mean, but the podcast is an hour long. So there's obviously more questions than just those three, but there is those core three. Um, and it's funny because when Glenn was on the podcast, you, you asked him those questions. And then I purposely didn't listen to like that part of Glenn's episode until I had done my episode because I had already known I was going to be on your podcast when, when he was on it and, um, and wanted to not know what those three questions are. So there's a bit of a weird like... So that's the first thing I want to talk about is whether you've gotten any feedback about the fact that people listen to the podcast so they already kind of know what you're going to ask them. But the other thing is how you how you feel about the the nuance of having those core three questions, but then how you fill the rest of, you know, your podcast is almost an hour long, about as long as ours is, mm -hmm. and how you fill that other time with trying out like, Glenn has said, drawing out other ideas and topics and having legitimate conversations. Talk about your style and and these questions and, and that sort of thing for us. Yeah. So I love my questions. I think I think they do a great job of of getting things out of people in a way they don't plan. And and I kind of always look at it as like the biggest question is first. Like what is the biggest problem facing education, right? And then the second question is that what are you doing? Which typically answers how do we fix the biggest problem? So often people will say, well, this is the biggest problem. And then I'm like, well, what are you doing? And it's something that addresses that problem, right? And then that third part is just that personal like aspect of tell me a story about your own education experience, right? And so I think part of it is that that lets me drill down kind of into a person a little bit. It, it's built that way to, to let me drill down into them. But the other part I think is just my own genuine fascination. You know, what I didn't expect when I started the show was that I'm coming up on episode 100 at this point, and no one has really answered that first question the same way. Mm. Um, you know, I've had nearly a hundred guests on the show and, and no one has really answered it. And other than people that have listened to the podcast already, it doesn't seem like anyone's ever even thought about that question. It doesn't seem like the question, what is the biggest problem facing education, has ever occurred to anybody, which certainly we all know that education has problems and there's things we can improve and we can fix and everything else. But I don't, to me, it feels like if we're not drilling down into what that is and what is the biggest thing we could fix right now, right. We're, we're all fixing little things and all True. fixing in different directions. We need to be asking that question. And so... Asking that question lets my guests, I feel, I feel like, think through their answer, like really sort of work through it in their heads. And so often, but like Mike said in his, you know, you ramble, right? The guest inevitably sort of rambles through a bunch of different things and like eventually sort of settles on one idea. And it's like, okay, you know what? This is where I'm going to stick. And then we can spend more time diving into that. Yeah. So there's all kinds of mediums out there. Uh, so what drew you specifically to this one, this uh, podcasting medium and, and being able to do it like like what we're doing right now? 
Um, I'm obsessed with podcasts. It's a genuine problem. I listen to about 11 hours a week at this point of podcasts. That's crazy. I think you guys pushed me over into the 11th hour a week. Um, <laughs> I, I listen to all of my podcasts at one and a half time because there's just not nearly yeah. enough time to only listen to them. And I still sit with like 23 hours of backlog, so I'm always behind. But <laughs> I, I'm trying to catch back up again. Um, you know, I just love podcasting. I think there's something about... You know, like we are, you know, I'm sitting here with headphones and it's, it's hearing your conversations in my ears, you know, and, and getting to hear real people talking about things. And it just, it feels like, you know, people, I, I mean, even before I've met a lot of other education podcasters, I walk up to them and I'm like, you're, you know, you're Mike Washburn. I know you, I listen to you like we're best friends already. And <laughs> you may not know me at all, but at least I feel like you're my friend. Cause you're, you're right there in my headspace. And mm -hmm. I just love that medium and I love conversation. So it was a good combination of what the two things I'm really passionate about. And it's personal, right? Like you, mm -hmm. well, you've said that it's, it's, it's a different intimate level of of interaction than like a, a youtube video for example there's lots of educators that do youtube stuff um it just doesn't seem the same it, it doesn't and as someone who's dabbled in youtube um for a bunch of different things even streaming well i guess that's actually one of the things that's appealing about streaming right is that streaming has that that level of of connectivity with it, the audience that is appealing um but but definitely i i love the fact that that it feels like we're we're generating conversation, I think you like that too. Like the the conversation starting and the fact that you're building community, right? Well, and streaming is live, right? So streaming, I I love streaming. I think it's great. I'm highly supportive of Twitch, and I love that. And but it's all live, so it's it's me as a streamer with a mm. hundred, a 1, thousand, ten thousand people, and as a viewer, I'm well aware of how many other people are around. But as a podcast listener, because it's not live, because it's delayed, and I don't know about you guys, I very rarely listen to podcasts with other people. It's just me in my headphones or me on my car ride. It's just me and the hosts. It's not yeah, yeah, It's yeah. not a whole yeah, lot of other people. True. And yes, other people listen. But in that moment, in my experience of it, it's just me and you. And I think that's why it's so personal for people. It's like Ezra Klein talking to you about the state of democracy. And it's like just you and Ezra. <laughs> he's blowing he's blowing your mind. <laughs> so so hundred episodes. So we're we're actually approaching our I think this is episode ninety three. So we're we're getting very close to a hundred ourselves and you're just you, are you just over a hundred or almost to a hundred? Uh ninety nine comes out this week as we're recording. So I'm oh, like right boy. there. Very good. Well, first off, congratulations. That's a hell of an accomplishment. Absolutely. Um, that's a big number, and uh, it takes a level of dedication that that you know that some people just haven't been able to muster, uh, for sure. So this is a bit of a fun question, but I, I'm interested in your experience over those hundred episodes. I mean, again, you ask the same three questions every time. You haven't had same answers for a lot of those questions, but you had to have had some pretty interesting experiences maybe some guests that have blown your mind a little um some funny <laughs> stories i want to i want to hear i want to hear some some funny stories from the planning period podcast both <laughs> maybe maybe something that you weren't expecting or that uh that really made you go whoa like like mind-blowing experiences or maybe some funny stories 
Um, yeah, so I'll do a, I'll do kind of a generic one first because we talked about it a little before we started recording, but like, I've had a couple guests now, and I'm not going to name names, but I, I had a couple guests where I asked them, you know, what is the biggest problem facing education today? And they gave me like a one sentence reply, just a, oh, yeah. <laughs> the biggest problem facing education today is class size. Bam. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Could, succinct could, answer. <laughs> could you expand upon that a little bit? We got like another 90 or like 50 minutes to fill here. Like, can I fill some time? Um, you know, and the funny part was a couple times it's been guests that I was really excited to interview and mm, it's, sure. and they just are professionals, I suppose, and have put a little more thought into these things. And, but it just, it felt like pulling teeth from then on. And it was just, Oh God, work with me, work with me. Yeah. Like, please. I know you guys have had to have had those experiences yes. where it's just, it's a struggle. Like it, it challenges you as an interviewer, I suppose. I guess that's the art of it. I, I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> um, but a good fun experience, I, I think the one that I probably always point to, I guess two, but the, the two that I always point to, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar with who Taylor Molly is. He's a, he's a, poet. a po- spoken word poet. Yeah, yeah. You, would, you would probably know his piece, What Teachers Make. I mm. remember being insanely jealous that you had him on your podcast. That's actually what I, re- I remember <laughs> knowing that you've had him on. Yeah, Taylor Molly, uh, not only did I get him on, and I got a, I give a, good buddy of mine, Chip, he is the one that said, hey, you should reach out to this guy. He might do it. And I would have never thought of Taylor Molly as a guest on the show. So totally owe that to him. But I interviewing him was just awesome because he's a poet. So every word feels like it's laced with this extra meaning. And so every word I'm just, I'm hanging on it. And I have said repeatedly, I'm a terrible interviewer on that because I'm just starstruck the whole time. (laughs) I'm just like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Yeah. Okay, cool. (laughs) Just keep talking, please. Um, But when I asked him, the, the thing that always blows me away, when I asked him, my second question is, what is something you're doing you wish everybody would do? And he was at the time promoting this Kickstarter he was doing for these things called metaphor dice, which are this really cool product and it's neat or whatever um but the fascinating part was he goes i'll tell you what brad why don't we just do this right now and we'll just sit here for two minutes and we'll write a poem together oh wow uh i'm sorry what what (laughs) okay okay starstruck (laughs) and so i'm having this moment where i'm sitting in the guest room in my house on my laptop writing poetry live with taylor molly and i don't even know what my life is anymore (laughs) like just everything (laughs) Um, and then I guess another one, a a quick one is I interviewed, if you guys know, Rick Wormley of fair isn't always equal. His book Mm -hmm. is kind of the quintessential book on differentiation in the classroom and, and why we need to be doing that. And I use some of his work when I was teaching teachers, uh, through an alternative certification program on it, grading and grading policies and specifically why we shouldn't have zeros on a hundred point scale. And I, I love a lot of his ideas and a lot of the stuff he does. And, and it was a lot of scheduling and reaching out multiple times to get that interview to happen. And when it finally did, it was just, I mean, he was just saying brilliant, brilliant things and all of it was amazing. Um, but I, I think my favorite thing he said in that episode at one point is we were talking just about teachers who are not, not receptive to new ideas and mm. just specifically people that stand by, you know, oh, he deserves a hundred cause he didn't do any work. And, um, and he, and he says, you know, sometimes I look at people like that and I, I think, you know, they just misjudge the date of their retirement. <laughs> and I still love that line because <laughs> I think about I think about schools I've worked at. I go, you know, there are some people there that definitely misjudge the date of their retirement. That's good. That's <laughs> I'm curious. So, so it, your answers and you're talking about Taylor, Molly, and uh, it got me thinking about who your dream interview might be. So, so I have 
people like on our kind of my top of mind that that I would like to have on the show. Um, and I've made like we were actively trying, for example, this isn't one of these people, but we were, we're actively trying to get one or two of the Democratic presidential candidates on the show, for example. So that's that's someone that we're actively going after. We've got kind of leads on a couple of those. I'm curious who your whale is, who who uh, maybe there could be more than one. Who who do you want to interview? And why, if you want to expand on that, I think this mm. is a fun question. It's hmm. a good question. You had to have thought of this. A you know, little I, bit. you know, the funny thing is I really haven't for the most part. I, Cause I like just had to start thinking about it as you said it. And the first person, <laughs> and this is going to sound so weird, but the mm. first person that popped in my head was Betsy it? DeVos. Oh, I would love to interview Betsy DeVos. I would be, I would love to, I feel like I would in a just, weird dis, way. like in a weird way, I feel like I would probably disagree with everything she said. Yeah, no, of course. But I would just love to interview her. I feel like, um, but you I think there's probably a job. I, I would hope. I, I, don't, I don't know. I definitely wouldn't be starstruck. I can tell you that much. Um, <laughs> no. I, I, um, uh, the state of Florida, where I am, just got a new Department of Education. I would love to interview them. Um, I would love to interview the district, uh, the 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 um, superintendent of my district. But she gave me a very clear no hmm. um, when I asked. So, you know, there's some people that I have gotten no's from that I was disappointed by, but I think, sure. you know, a lot of mine is very impulsive. A lot of my guest picking is, is I'm on Twitter and I'm scrolling through and somebody retweeted right. something and I go, you know what? That sounds cool. I just like that thought. Let's just talk to that person. Yeah. Let's, um, see, what, let's know. see where that leads. And I think awesome. those are some of the people I would love to want to talk to. Um, Angela Watson is another one that I've asked a couple times and just the scheduling didn't work out. Um, but I, w I would love to interview her because I really do love her show. And I love hmm. the way she thinks about problems um, and presents solutions. So I think she'd be fun to interview. So, Brad, where can people connect with you or even where can they find your podcast if they haven't listened to it just yet? Yeah, so I'm pretty much everywhere as Brad Treffler. So at Brad Treffler on Twitter and Instagram and uh, bradtreffler.com. And, of course, the podcast you can find on iTunes and uh you know, Google Play Store and whatever podcasting app you're using, uh, the Planning Period podcast is available on all the platforms. And I'd love to hear you listen and connect on Twitter. Let me know what you think. Amazing, Brad. We'll we'll put uh, we'll put Brad's links in the show notes so that people can take a look at all of uh, all of the ways to to listen to the Planning Period podcast. Thanks, Brad, for joining us. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, guys. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the Education Podcast Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Jennifer Gonzalez, Matt Miller, and many more by visiting edupodcastnetwork.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter, and I can be found at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or the Google Play Store. When you leave a rating, it gives our rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Classcraft, for supporting us. Check out classcraft.com slash oneducation to learn more about them. Thanks as always for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.